0: This is WMPG. My name is Dr. Anne, and this is Safe Space, a live forum for courageous conversations. Tonight, we are resuming our series on 21st century families with a focus on stepfamilies. My guest is Dr. Patricia Papernow, who's a nationally recognized expert on stepfamilies and post-divorce parenting. She's a psychologist in private practice in Hudson, Massachusetts, which is just west of Boston. Patricia is the author of the award-winning book, Becoming a Step-Family, also many book chapters and articles on step-family relationships. She's currently working on a new book called Surviving and Thriving in Step-Family Relationships, which will be coming out later on at the end of this year. Welcome to Safe Space, Patricia. Thank you. Let's start with kind of laying the context here. Um, How big a phenomenon is this? How many... Percentage of the population are involved in step families.
1: Well, uh, the statistics are difficult to, to put together, but we believe about forty percent of women will be in a step family at some point in their lives. One out of three kids under eighteen lives in a step family, um, and some demographers think that one out of two of us over the course of our lifetimes will be part of a step family a lot of people.
0: No kidding. So this is a very widespread thing. It's almost the norm practically.
1: It's um, pretty common. Yeah. it been kind of exiled from our awareness, but uh, it's been there all along.
0: So I'd love to, I know that you have been thinking about this and writing about this for a long time now, um, but I'd like to start out with your own personal experience, kind of what led you to be interested in this and Tell us a little bit about your own stepfamily experience.
1: Well, my first husband had two kids. And a couple of years into that relationship, I needed a dissertation topic. Um, And I wrote about normal stages of development in stepfamilies, which became my first book. Um, And my first husband and I had a daughter together. We were divorced when she was three. Um, and when my daughter was 13, I met my second husband, who has three kids who are a little older than she is. My daughter is now 28. My stepkids are all married. I have six step-grandkids. And it's 35 years since I started this, and I'm really still fascinated, and, I, and I'm still learning all the time.
0: <laughs> so 35 years of experience in it. And it sounds like you've been on all sides of it. So just to, just to track what you just said, in your first marriage... You were initially a stepmother without kids of your own.
1: That's right. And
0: with kids that were living with you full-time or kind of part-time? No,
1: they were part-time. They would arrive on um, uh, weekends in the beginning or uh, after their mother moved, they would fly in for vacations. And in that relationship, I was what I call the stuck outsider. We'd pick the kids up at the airport. And... You know they did not want to talk to me they'd be chattering away with their husband and i'd be sitting with their husband their th- my husband their father and i'd be sitting there like a lump um, it took me a few years to figure out i needed to stay home while he went to the airport and picked the kids up in my <sighs> second marriage um i when i got married i had a 13 year old daughter my husband's kids were out of the house uh my daughter uh, had had a painful relationship with her dad, so she was not real thrilled. I was in love. I was thrilled. Mm-hmm. I was so happy to have finally found somebody after ten years. And not unusually, she was not thrilled. Uh, plus, she was 13, which the research tells us is the very worst age, especially for a girl, mm-hmm. to transition into a step family. And it was a nightmare <laughs> for mm-hmm. quite a long time. And I was then the stuck. Insider stuck between two people I loved very, very much who were having an extremely, extremely hard time with each
0: other. So, already with this story you've told me, there's sort of some juicy themes that I would love to explore with you. So, I know you do a lot of teaching about this and this idea about the insider and the outsider. Let, let, why don't you explain more? What do you mean by that? And how does that start playing itself out in step families?
1: Well, in a first-time family, the couple is the primary insider, and they have some time together to get to know each other, to develop a rhythm together, to figure out that she leaves the cap off the toothpaste, he likes it on. And kids are born into that connection, and kids in a first-time family are usually born, when things go well enough, hardwired to attach to both parents and vice versa. When there's a divorce or a death, um, or you know, the largest, fastest growing group of step families are people cohabiting without marriage. So when the parental unit splits up, parent and child have time alone together as a single parent family. And the step parent enters as an outsider to this already existing parent-child unit. Um, the Adult couple may be madly in love and care a lot about each other, but the deep, uh, deeply grooved lines of attachment lie between the parent and his or her child or children. And also the agreements about everything from is grape nuts a breakfast food or a form of cardboard? <laughs> um, what's the appropriate amount to pay for a pair of sneakers? Those agreements in the beginning of a first time family lie be- in the adult couple. In a second-time family, they lie between parents and kids.
0: Because that's where the history <coughs> is. So they have all this history together. and the They new- have
1: history and they have attachment. They have yeah. ways of doing things, levels of noise that are okay with them, um, how much you interrupt, uh, what you do with a wet towel. Is it okay to drop it on the floor? Those agreements are between the parent and his or her kid not between the adult couple.
0: So in the beginning of your book, you tell this really wonderful story as told by each of the two parents about a visit from the biological son of the, st- of the father and what, it, what the visit was like for him and what the visit was like for the stepmom. And it's a radically different experience. Right. And it it's so, I wonder if it would be worth kind of just painting that picture of how, let's start with the experience of the outsider, what it's like to be the outsider, what that feels like, and um, how that can sort of get worse over time.
1: Well, I think, first of all, if you go into this new relationship expecting to be a blended family, that language, I mean, everybody wants to be connected, that's, we're hardwired to want to be connected, we work better physiologically emotionally every way when we're better when we're connected so the longing for blending makes a lot of sense and the language that we have is blended family so why wouldn't you expect that you're going to put this new family together the adults are thrilled why wouldn't the kids be thrilled and you come together and uh let's see if i can think of an it's like picking up my stepdaughters at the airport You know, they're not thrilled to see me. They want to see their dad. So my story of that trip is I'm sitting there like a lump on a log, listening to my husband and his kids have a conversation, and I don't exist. His story is he's thrilled to see his kids, absolutely thrilled to see his kids, and his kids are thrilled to see him. Um, So we have a very, very different experience of the same moment, and neither of us is right or wrong. But I'm the stuck outsider, he's the stuck insider.
0: And my sense of that moment is that when that starts to happen enough, eventually the outsider, the the person that you were feeling like you don't exist or feeling invisible, starts (coughs) to really withdraw and, you know, have more and more upset feelings about that.
1: It's so easy as the outsider. I mean, you are, you feel invisible. People don't look at you when they walk in the room sometimes. Um, You don't feel like you can get heard. Um, And it's very easy over time to start to feel pretty yucky about it. It works well if the outsider can, you know, say later to their partner, gee, that was a little tough for me. And their partner can say, oh, I'm so sorry. I wasn't aware of that. But very much more likely, you know, those are not, anybody's favorite feelings to feel left out how much easier would it be later as you're going to sleep to say to my husband how could you do that to me right how could you do it again and my husband is absolutely stunned he didn't know what he was doing he didn't know he did anything and how easy for him to say what's your problem you're overreacting and then the step you know the outsider feels even worse right so i think part of the trick is how do you Talk about these things in a way that connects, as opposed to a way that disconnects, and it's not that easy.
0: Well, I can imagine too that the outsider person can feel very ashamed of these feelings because they want to be the grown-up, they want to be the generous one, they want to, and instead they get so focused on feeling left out and the pain of that that they don't. That it's just shameful the whole thing.
1: I my experience is both insiders and outsiders can feel ashamed. The outsider feels ashamed because I'm the grown-up, what's my problem? Um, Or, you know, it depends on your particular personality. For some people, it's I'm the grown-up, make me an insider. You know, some people are more aggressive about it, and some people turn in on themselves and just feel terrible that I'm having all these feelings, and what's wrong with me, and um, how come I feel so bad. insiders also often feel very badly that they can't make it work. Mm. You know, that the people in their lives that they love the most don't like each other or are having a hard time with each other. And I think insiders often also feel ashamed or guilty or inadequate that they can't put together, pull together all of the people in their lives that they
0: love. Hmm. So there's, there's room for each person to feel quite unhappy about it. Yeah. Yes. And so what, how do you, I know this is a very detailed question. But when you work with couples that are in this sort of stuck insider, stuck outsider position, what are some of the recommendations that you make that can help spring people from that?
1: Well, one thing is to each understand the other's position, that it feels like uh, we're in this position because we don't care about each other. Obviously, you leave me out because you don't care about me, when in fact it's not because you don't care about me, it's because you're connected to your kids. Um so I think that's the first thing is really to understand. It's the structure that makes these feelings and these experiences. And the second thing is kind of counterintuitive, and that is lots and lots of one-to-one time, that you actually put these families together best. When the adult couple has some one-to-one time without kids, when the parent and child have time alone together without the step parent. And actually, when step-parents have some alone time together with their step-kids without the parent around,
0: just to get to know each other. So, in other words, instead of the pressure to blend, you're saying, like, let yourself have separateness. It's okay to do that.
1: Uh, Support each of the relationships. I call it compartmentalizing instead of blending. Support each of the relationships. In the family there's a lot of stuff on the web about supporting the adult couple um, but oftentimes that the danger is supporting the adult couple in fact when adult step couples are very very close we actually see that children do less well and we think that's probably because kids need parents especially at, at a transition time like this the parent is in love they're thrilled to be in this new relationship and uh, kids often feel, at the same time that the parent feels such a, so thrilled, so glad to have this new relationship, the kid at the same time feels left out and um, also feels a sense of loss.
0: So let's talk about that now, because you name this as sort of one of the second big challenges of step-parenting, is that the parents and the kids are in such different places that this new relationship m- literally means the opposite. For each one of them, what is gain and wonderful for the parent is loss for the child.
1: That's right.
0: And Pretty I want stunning. It is stunning, and I wonder if you could spell that out a little bit more about how, the ways that, that it is a loss for the child.
1: Well, if you think about, it, if you've ever had a friend that went gaga over a new relationship, and it's a really good friend and you're sitting there and your friend is going on and on about this new relationship or your friend is there with their new partner and they're gagaing at each other Mm -hmm. and you're sitting there and how do you feel you know you feel like chopped meat and do you really want to watch them cuddle and do you want to watch them kiss absolutely not now imagine it's not just that you're a friend you're a child and you've already lost a lot of what is familiar to you and a lot of solid connection And the person who has gone gaga is your parent. They have turned away from you. They are engaged in pleasing this grown-up who is not your parent and who often wants things different from the way that you're used to having things. Um, And especially, it turns out, for preteen girls um, who've had time alone with their moms. Moms, we think, get very involved with their daughters. They become... Uh, uh, those relationships, single parent mom daughter relationships, became, become awfully become close and and solid. And then when moms fall in love, they often turn very suddenly away from their daughters towards their new partners. And kids really feel uh, a tremendous sense of loss of attention from their parents. Oftentimes there is a lot of change on top of already the change of divorce and moving and all of that. Um, The new partner wants different food, different smells, different rules. Um, It's a lot for kids. And what's exciting and wonderful for adults is often way, way too much for kids.
0: So if I was a parent in this situation and I was gaga over a new person and I had a child who had had a few years of being a single parent with and had developed a lot of closeness with, what would you advise me? I mean, if I came to your office, how would you help me sort of ease the transition?
1: Well, the first thing that I would do is help you understand what it feels like for your child. That, uh, And it's sometimes very painful for uh, parents to get that their children are feeling a sense of loss at the same time that they're feeling a sense of, uh, you know, a th- thrilled. But what I always say, what I would say to you is, you know... If you can find it in yourself to get what your child is feeling, I can tell you, you can be really helpful. So if you can really get in your body what it feels like to have your mom be in love with a stranger and turn away from you. And if, if your kid says to you, I miss you, or I hate him, um, what your child actually needs is, oh, yeah, there have been a lot of changes, haven't there been? Uh, and, um, yeah, it's tough to have a new person. But what comes easily for parents is, but he's a perfectly nice person. Mm-hmm. That's what comes easily. So I think what I would say to you is, be sure you spend a lot of quality one-to-one time with your child. Introduce your new partners slowly, a little bit at a time. And... Uh, Make sure that you don't expect your child to feel about your partner the way you do, and that make sure that you are the person who stays in charge of discipline. Your new partner has input, but you have final say. And if you've been a single parent for a while, oftentimes you really welcome another adult to come in and take over, but kids are usually not ready for that. So if you can stay in charge of discipline, And uh, ask your partner to give you input, and you'll have final say with your child. That's going to work a lot better, at least in the beginning. And leave your partner free to get to know your child. I want to ask you also. Together.
0: I want to ask you also about loyalty binds. Loyalty binds. Yeah. So tell me what you mean by a loyalty bind for the child in that situation.
1: A a loyalty bind means if I care about my step parent, I have betrayed my parent. And it seems to be almost genetic. It happens even in collaborative divorces and it happens um, uh, it just seems to be wired into kids. so and it's especially true. oftentimes I will hear about a child who's especially resistant to a new step parent or especially distant from a new step parent, and oftentimes that child is a especially close to the parent in the other household. Often, um, and that parent may not even, the ex-wife or ex-husband, may not even be bad-mouthing the new person. It just feels to the child, if I turn towards this, my stepmother, I've betrayed my mom, or if I turn towards my stepdad, I've betrayed uh, my dad. And it's very helpful for kids. if adults. I, ha- I have something I call a loyalty-buying talk. To say to kids, you know, some kids find having a step parent confusing. And what I say to teens is, you probably already know this, but just so you know that I know, that you know, some kids find that it's a little bit confusing to have a step parent. And what I want you to know is, your place in your heart for your mother is permanent, like the mountains, like the sun. It's permanent. And I've chosen this new person. You have not. You may come to care about them or you may not. But if you do come to care about them, and I hope you do, it's going to be a completely different place in your heart than the place where your mom is or your dad is. And I just want you to know that you and I also, we will continue to have a special relationship. We'll continue to have time alone together.
0: And how do you find in your experience that kids respond to that?
1: I can't hear you. Can you say that again?
0: Yeah, how, in your experience, how do kids respond to that?
1: Um I think it depends on the kid. For children in really tight loyalty binds, it takes a while. Um, my own daughter, uh, you know, I'm a nationally recognized expert on step families, and I did say to my daughter, this you know steve is not your dad you have a dad she had a very painful relationship with her dad but i said to her you know he's still in your heart he has a permanent place in your heart steve is not your dad he's your stepdad and it's a totally different relationship well they had a horrible relationship for four years and uh in year number like 4.1 Mm -hmm. Uh, they finally sat down to talk to each other and uh, after not speaking to each other for three months and the first thing she said to him was you're not my dad and he said I never intended to be your dad but even though I said all those things to her uh, it somehow didn't go in she She had a tougher bind, I think, because her relationship with her dad was so painful, and she both um needed to push him away and missed him and so it was just a lot more confusing for her other kids they're they're relieved it you know one or two loyalty bind talks, and you know they're relieved, and it's much easier for them
0: mm-hmm. so I want to ask you now, in the time we have left to talk a little bit more about parenting. Another thing you've written about is um Kind of authoritative versus authoritarian or permissive parenting, and how step family structure often pulls people in one direction or another. And I wondered if you could both define those terms and then talk about how being in a step family kind of influences the directions we parent in.
1: Well, I'll give you a story. Here's my daughter. She's uh, like 15. She's actually in having a really tough time, and she is throwing a temper tantrum on the kitchen floor. I am her mother. I am thrilled that she is in my house. She's not trying to run away. She's not doing anything terrible or dark. She's just having a temper tantrum. And my husband says, I can't believe you allowed your 15-year-old daughter to have a temper tantrum on the kitchen floor. So there we are in opposite posi- positions. I'm saying, you know, she's fine, and he's saying, this is outrageous. Um, step parents don't have that heart connection with a kid. It, um, kids who aren't your own, their behavior is often a little more irritating than it is to a parent, <laughs> and they don't have the context. Uh-huh. Um, so, step parents often want more boundaries, more limits, and they can often be pushed into an authoritarian parenting style which can be a little too firm, a little too harsh, not realistic about what kids actually can and can't do, sometimes labeling stupid, lazy. And parents sometimes slip into a more permissive parenting style, which is, gee, dear, whatever you want to do is fine with me. I love you. But it turns out that the parenting style that is best for kids on every measure imaginable is called authoritative parenting. Authoritative parents are warm and responsive and attuned and caring. I get that you're upset, honey. You have every reason to be upset. But they also make developmentally appropriate demands for maturity. And in this case, with the temper tantrum on the floor, it probably would have been, honey, you have every right to be really upset. And you're 15, I think you're old enough to take this temper tantrum up to your room, and when you're finished, we can talk. That's authoritative parenting. And oftentimes, the step parent has to help the parent firm up a little bit, and the parent has to help the step parent soften a little bit. It's very easy to get stuck arguing, though.
0: Yes. Very, very easy. Yes, understandably. I mean, how. Because when you say that each can help each other approach the middle, it seems so often that what happens is the opposite. That That's when people right. take opposite positions, they sort of escalate the polarization and they end up more it gets extreme. worse
1: and worse. And parents are sensitive about their parenting. So if my husband says to me, you're being a wimp, you know, it doesn't open my heart and make me want to learn <laughs> from him. When no. I tell him you're being, a, you know, you're being a, um, a harsh idiot, it doesn't make him want to soften up. so so funny how that
0: is
1: (laughs) and you know the these uh, positions make a lot of feelings that make it difficult to be calm you know and and it turns out that if if i'm the step parent and i want the parent to firm up i'm going to actually have to do it pretty tenderly i'm going to have to say i know you love your kid i know you really care about your kid and just think we could help her do this a little differently. I really think she's old enough to do it a little differently. turns out I call it soft, hard, soft. Um, you, uh, uh, otherwise, uh, people just can't process it. They're too sensitive. Yeah. Makes a mess.
0: <clears throat> so we're going to have to end in a minute, and I want to fit two more quick things in if I can. We may not be able to. The one is I wondered if you could say a little bit more because you, you're so steeped in the research about how kids survive – divorce and step-parenting the best, what are the other, other than assortative parenting, what are the other really protective factors for kids in surviving divorce and remarriage or re-involvement of their parents?
1: Uh, Attuned responsive parenting, meaning I get that this is hard for you, I'm thrilled and you're not, and the other is ex-spouses keeping conflict low. It's the what makes the most robust predictor of well-being in children post-divorce is the level of conflict between the parents. So parents who remain in conflict, even for young adults 10 years later, those kids are doing much more poorly than uh, young adults of parents who divorced 10 years earlier and are not in conflict any, any anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's attuned, responsive parenting and conflict. Those are the two most important things.
0: One Okay, the last quick thing is what I'm struck by in listening to you, Patricia, is how, how difficult. I mean, when I was reading your book and preparing for this interview and listening to it, it's, it's daunting. It's, it sounds really challenging. And I'm wondering if there's also p- if there's a role for grieving for the parents, the step-parents, and, and how different this is than maybe the fantasy of recreating a whole new beautiful family. Um, I wondered if you could say something about I that. I think
1: that's true. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of sitting at a wedding where the um, for both, you know, here's the parent whose child is getting married, and the person who was there when that child was a baby is the ex-wife, not the wife, and the step-parent, as involved as she has been with that. Let's say it's the stepmother with that young woman who's getting married. The person that young woman who is getting married wants next to her is her mom and her dad, not her stepmother and it it's hard, and this may even be a family that I've just worked with a family where ten years down the road, excellent relationship between the stepmother and the stepdaughter. and um, the reality is this young woman who was getting married really wanted her daddy there, and her daddy. Couldn't tell the stories of, of the daughter being a baby to his wife, his, right. because the person who shared that those stories were w- with was his ex-wife.
0: But it's sad. Patricia, it is sad. I am going to have to stop. I want to thank you so much. I wanted to just acknowledge that in closing. I right, thank you so much. This has been so useful. I've learned so much from you.
1: Well, I'm glad to be here and glad to share this. People have this information. So I
0: want to just reiterate. My guest is tonight is Dr. Patricia Paperno, the author of the book *Becoming a Step Family*, who's writing a new book, *Surviving and Thriving in Step Family Relationships*, that'll be coming out later this year. If my thanks tonight to Jen Hodson for mixing the sound, Maurice Lennon for the music, and Neil McCante for being my consultant. If you'd like to listen to the show, it's in entirety, or if you'd like to email the re- link to someone, the website is www.safespaceroadio.com. You can also subscribe there if you'd like a weekly announcement about the topic. Please also like us on Facebook. Coming up next is Watchdog.